Hello and welcome. My name is Erin Branzell and you are listening to Self-Doubt Sandwich, a podcast where each week I talk about a self-doubt that I'm struggling with. I make a sandwich and share all the details and a bunch of other random stuff because life is full of mixed emotions and so am I. This is episode three. My body is a temple, but my body is a bitch. It's time for self-doubt sandwich. I would like to dedicate this episode to the woman who I observed the other day driving down Central in her convertible top down. She had a mattress propped in the back seat. She had her right hand on the wheel and her left hand was reaching behind her, grasping onto the edge of the mattress as if her hand was the deciding factor in whether or not that mattress, whether that mattress stayed in the back seat or went careening across the road. I hope to someday be as simultaneously careful and reckless as you, my dear lady. You know, I just want to get meta for a moment about this segment. So I purposely put this segment first. Not just that it's the first thing you, the listener, hears, but also that it's the first segment I fully develop and record. Sure, I've already got some ideas about what I'm going to talk about for self-doubt, etc. But I make it a point to do small victory segment first because I want to begin with a spirit that is intentional about celebration. And I use that terminology intentional celebration because to me small victories is about much more than just acknowledging something positive and it's much deeper than just oh we're looking on the bright side or the glass is half full kind of thing that kind of gets abused in this day and age Um, instead it's a decision a choice that I'm making to find Something worthy of celebrating, even if at first glance it might not seem quote-unquote worthy, that intentionality can make it so. So sure, it's like a filter maybe or a perspective, but also like a mindset. And I did it on purpose because intentional celebration is not something I'm naturally prone to do. I'm much more likely to want to skip to the self-doubt. It's easier. Um, I think I saw somewhere in some scientific type article that humans are just biologically more prone to recognize negative things just as a matter of surviving, like self-preservation. So it's just easier to go right to the things that I'm feeling unsure about or to go straight to the sandwich and not to acknowledge my feelings at all. So that's why small victory is important to me because it forces me to rise up out of my 
naturally melancholic ways, even though like I'm an optimistic Sag, like a stereotypical Sagittarius who, you know, tries to keep optimistic about a lot of things. Um, I still find it very easy, very tempting to slip into melancholy. So instead, you know, Spell Victories forces me to rise up out of my naturally melancholic ways and find some, you know, freaking joy and revelry in the details of this life. And so now that I've expressly stated that to my heart's content, um, this week's small victory is Mercury retrograde. That's right. Mercury went retrograde, uh, which just means it's spinning backwards on October 31st and will stay retrograde until November 20th. And frankly, I am very here for it. So stereotypically, Mercury retrograde is known as a time when stupid shit seems to happen more frequently, specifically complications involving travel and communication. There are some schools of thought that like warn against signing contracts or doing any legal things or starting anything new even during during Mercury retrograde. There's also you know, typical advice for quote unquote getting through Mercury retrograde might be, you know, like give yourself extra time while traveling, expect for delays, expect for there to be miscommunications, except expect for important paperwork to get lost or printers to jam or, you know, phone calls to just drop. Uh, Basically just to expect the weird stuff. And I'm not here to debate about the truth in any of that. I actually wanted to touch on a less talked about characteristic of Mercury retrograde, which is that it, I feel like I'm kind of botching Mercury retrograde. I need to slow Mercury retrograde. So I'm here. I want, um, I wanted to talk about a less talked about characteristic of Mercury retrograde, which is that it can actually be a very potent time Anytime I say potent, I feel like a real witch, like a real, like, crystal ball, fortune teller. Uh, Like, I just feel, I feel, I feel very potent when I use the word potent. I think it's because my tarot teacher, Lindsay Mack, uses the word potent. And um, so I just associate that strong vocabulary word. Anyway, this is a rabbit trail. Potent. Uh, Mercury retrograde can be a very potent time for self-reflection, quiet contemplation, just like chilled out thinking and processing, which personally I am hyped about because October was it for me was a time that was very busy and full of change. And I was kind of all over the place on many different levels. Um, I was all over the place when it came to what was happening outside of my like. the external part of my life but I also like voluntarily made my own private life kind of like chaotic and all over the place so as far as the external stuff goes I started a new job I sold my car um oh I started this podcast but then like I voluntarily committed to two different terror challenges and a mindfulness challenge and attempted to do inktober but that only lasted like two days because I signed myself up for all these things that had to they had they had to get done every day and it didn't take up like that much time but at the same time it did because it was every day and I don't know you could say I was very concerned with 
productivity and probably just overcompensating for figuring out what to do with my time now that I am not a full-time teacher. And so, yeah, I was still very concerned with productivity. I'm not sure that a concern with productivity is the best way to be healing from burnout, which is definitely still something I'm working on. But that was October. I don't regret anything. I'm not even going to try to frame it in like whether it was the right or the wrong thing to do because it was just those were the things I did in October. Um, I was doing the best I could, but I'm definitely ready for a change in pace. Scorpio season has already felt really good for me for whatever reason. And Mercury retrograde is making it a little more cozy, but still in an intense way. I also could not think of a better way to spend my last full month as a non-married woman than being, you know, kind of committed to this self-reflection and the quiet contemplation because, oh boy, if I thought October was crazy, December is going to be super intense as well and just full in wonderful ways. Um, But yeah, November is giving me that time to kind of quiet down things before things kind of ramp up again. And I think my concern is shifting away from productivity and more into like organization, like just figuring out where and how all the pieces of my life fit together, both literally and figuratively. So I am super grateful for the space that this retrograde is giving me to think about things or just like the permissioning that this retrograde is giving me to just be like, don't worry about busting out your to-do list you know you can really just you could spend like an hour sitting in a chair staring at a wall and that would be totally okay and there's not that's not always like an okay feeling thing to do sometimes that's like a what no what are you doing you're you're bypassing you're avoiding the work that really needs to be doing needs to be done but I feel like this mercury retrograde especially that's happening in Scorpio season is really allowing me to feel totally fine with just like staring at a wall and maybe doing like lots more journaling than I normally do. So, excuse me, even if you aren't into astrology or planetary movements, um, maybe you'll still feel the quiet vibes of November. Maybe you'll take some time to deep dive into your own psyche or make space for reflection and contemplation. Or maybe you'll totally rage out and like clean closets and scrub kitchen floors or go out with uh, friends to lots of bars or make a ton of art or reconnect an old relationship because maybe that's what you're making space for during this Mercury retrograde. You know, the word quiet has a dictionary definition. No shit, like most words do. But it can still mean different things for different people. Plus, we all have different ways of getting to that quiet, to accessing it, and to enjoying it. So there's definitely not one way you're supposed to feel during a Mercury retrograde, Mercury retrograde, which is just another reason that I consider it a small victory. Girl is soaking in self-doubt. So real talk, I have so many doubts swimming around in the dark ocean of my mind right now 
that I'm having a hard time figuring out which one to focus on, which is altogether a problem I have created for myself. No one else is like, gee, let's make my life even more difficult by choosing to focus on a doubt that I'm struggling with. Nope, that's a completely self-imposed torture. Just to give you a quick peek, here's some things I'm thinking about that like fall under the doubt category. One, my hair, just everything about it. It's a constant battle. Do I need to get a haircut? Do I need to just grow it out more? Should I be using mousse or cream? Uh, do I straighten it? Do I embrace the curls? How much do I brush it? Just everything. My skin, am I using the right products? Should I be focused more on the wrinkles or the clogged pores? I don't know. They're both a bummer, but also when you like look at my face from far away, the complexion is great. The overall picture, not too, not too upset about. My time, three. Keeping track at home, that's number three, my time. Like how I spend it. Should I really be making so much granola? Should I really be reading so many YA fantasy novels? Shouldn't I be like working out or going on more walks? The answer to that one's always yes, by the way. Or networking or like writing my own YA fantasy novel? I just don't know. Number four, my wedding dress and the fact that I don't have one yet and I'm getting married next month and I can't make like these other decisions that are like small details, but still decisions all the same until I get my dress. But do I go super bridal, even though I'm not sure that I want that? And also like how formal should I go seeing how I'm getting married at a city park with just our parents and a photographer in attendance? And do I even want to wear white or white adjacent? I don't know. <sighs> and I'll just stop there and acknowledge like the inherent privilege in these problems. These problems are like dripping with privilege and bordering on self-indulgence. Uh, these doubts are like very, very, like I already said, full of privilege. So some people, you know, they might kill to have my problems. So I acknowledge that and I honor that while at the same time, you know, standing solid in like, this is my truth and this is my story. And you know how they say that comparison is an act of violence against oneself, whether you're comparing yourself to those more fortunate or less fortunate, it's still an act of violence. I should probably find out who said that and give them credit. But for now, just know that it wasn't me. So anyway, those are some things, some thoughts doing the old dance in my brain, some of my brain babies, but none of them are fully calling me this week to like fully go hard in the paint in and like really talk about uh, because what stands out even more to me in the midst of in the in this sea of self-doubt is this other almost counterintuitive doubt about whether I will continue to have sufficient self-doubt um, stay with me here there's this fear in the back of my mind that I got maybe a little too focused in my podcast content and that because of that focus, maybe I won't be able to generate sufficient content. The longevity of this whole thing is like called into question. There's some imposter syndrome like, well, maybe this was just a thing that's not going to last because I can't figure out what to actually talk about. So there's this doubt about the ability to generate content, which expressed in those terms is a very now problem. It's not timeless at all. It's something 
that a lot of people like right now are thinking about maybe on a subconscious level or maybe explicitly just about their ability to generate content, whether it's, you know, just for their Instagram or for their blog, their website, their company, their art gallery, their book, their conversations, you know, like maybe they're afraid they're going to run out of things to say to their significant other, Uh, just fill in the blank. It's something that I think many can relate to. And if you can't, if you're like, nah, dude, I'm just out in the forest all day drinking tea and singing harmony with the birds. I'm not worried about producing anything. Well, all I can say is, fuck yeah, that's awesome. You do you, boo. But I think for many humans, there's a lot of joy that's accessed when we are making something, even if it's just a conversation that we're making or if it's like an actual like clay pot that you're forming and then cooking in the kiln. I don't know anything about pottery. I'm not sure why I use this as an analogy. But so like there's a joy that we get from making something and that joy is accompanied by fear as well. The fear of, well, what if I can't keep making this? What if I can't access that joy anymore? And like I already said, this is a very now problem. Hunters and gatherers probably weren't too worried about generating content. And it's also a very privileged problem. Like it's only when your basic needs are met that you feel somewhat safe and secure and and you can be like, oh, la-di-da, what will I make today? And yeah, there's the whole starving artist thing, but still, they've usually got a box of ramen noodles and a couch to crash on. So basic needs are met, you know, check off that box. So I've been contemplating this whole self-doubt about generating content for a few days now, wondering if it's worth talking about, wondering if it's too now and too privileged, basically having self-doubt about my self-doubt again, hashtag always on brand. But then I thought about it. I broke it down some more just in my mind. And really the whole generating content doubt is another version of a much more timeless self-doubt, which is am I enough? Am I enough? Am I enough? Not does what I say matter or does what I make have an impact or do people like me, but the most basic level of acceptance or rejection, am I enough? And it's a paralyzing question because how are we to ever get a definitive answer? It's just, it's so subjective. So what I'm beginning to come to terms with, what I'm grappling with now, it's a buzzword, grappling, but I love it, and probably will be grappling with for the rest of my life is accepting that, no, I'm not enough, at least not for everyone. And isn't that like the implicit word, like the unspoken word in that question, like, am I enough for everyone? Um, but no, I'm not enough, not for everyone. Uh, not everyone is going to be immensely satisfied by my presence or intensely passionate about the things that I make. There will be some people who I'm enough for, uh, but there will be plenty, plenty more that I won't be enough for. And frankly, that's not even any of my business, whether I'm enough for other people anyway, but that's a whole other thing. 
there are some people that I am not enough for. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, there will be some people who I am too much for. People who are exhausted by the energy that I'm putting out or rolling their eyes at my various things I have going on. Like, look at this bitch. First, she's making music and then she's doing all this yoga and then slinging tarot cards. And now she's making a podcast, Uh, this like self-indulgent podcast. Just quit talking, lady. Actually, that might just be my own inner critic because I honestly hope that nobody has that much time and energy to hate me. Um, So it's probably just my own brain. But still, the point remains, I won't be enough for everyone. I will be too much for others. Some will resonate with what I'm putting out there and some won't care at all. So am I enough? No. But that is okay. Because I don't actually have to be enough. Where, where does it say that anywhere, you know, like in any of our sacred texts or in any of our, just like, where does it say, besides fucking societal expectations, where does it say that like our destiny in life is to be enough for everyone? Um, or even to be enough for the people in our lives. Like, yeah, I can be enough for my fiance sometimes. But I can't be enough for him all the time because what, like, what is enough anyway? Like, I can't be everything to somebody. Um, anyway, rabbit trail central. So, okay, let's, let's, let's back up here. If this is like flipping your brain inside out because you've seen those mantras that are all like, I am enough and I lack nothing. If those mantras are working for you, then go on with your badass self and keep saying I am enough because who am I to fucking argue with you? I'm nobody. Of course you're enough. You know, we're all enough, but at the same time, we're not enough. And that's okay because, um, so for me personally, that word enough just feels a little dicey, like a little bit like triggered, you know, because it has to do with worth and measuring up like enough. Did you get enough to eat? Did you, do you have enough money? Do you have enough clothes? Um, do you have enough square footage in your house? Like enough is a very value oriented word. And so like, I just kind of want to rise up out of that reality and live in a world where it, it doesn't matter if I am enough, as long as I'm me doing my life to the best of my abilities, trying my damnedest to like stay inspired and stay kind and keep doing my stuff. And I think I already said that already, but keep making my things, keep loving myself and loving my people because if all that is going on, does it really matter whether or not I'm enough? No, I don't think so. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. No, no, no. So I'm going to start like shouting from the rooftops metaphorically because I don't want to hurt myself by climbing up on actual rooftops. I am enough. (laughs) I am enough, but I'm also not enough. I am not enough and that's okay. I am not enough and that's okay just relieving myself of that pressure. Like I am not enough and that's okay. Like actually literally shit. I feel like, like an instant pot after the pressure valve has been released, like just get out of that reality and do the yes and thing too. I don't like, I'm sorry if I sound a little preachy, I'm preaching to myself. Like you can be enough and you can also not be enough. And both of those are fine. And so, yeah, I am not enough and that's okay. Sandwiches, 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 sandwiches. All you talk about is sandwiches. 
talk some more? Well, I just finished eating the sandwich for this week, and while I can't say it was quite the powerhouse that last week's sandwich was, it's still delivered. So, my friend Sarah Irene has been tagging me in a bunch of different sandwich posts on Instagram since I got this whole thing started. She's really been pushing for a delicious veggie-based sandwich. Well, that's not what I made this week. Uh, Sorry to disappoint. But one of the posts that she tagged me in was like a vegan egg salad thing made from chickpeas, I think, or something. And so that just got regular egg salad in my mind. Um, Not that I wanted it to be too regular. And I wanted to make sure it, you know, fit with what else was going on. So I then went on... A journey in my mind, an associative journey regarding egg salad sandwiches, and realized that I associate them with literal journeys. Um, Probably not the only person that can relate to this, or maybe I am, I don't know. But growing up and even into like my recent adulthood years, egg salad has definitely been like the ultimate road trip sandwich. Did I, growing up, routinely have egg salad sandwiches for lunch as, like, part of the weekly rotation? No. Not really. Not that I can recall. But did we start hard-boiling eggs and busting out the mayo and salt and pepper and 100% whole wheat bread when it was time to tumble into a car for approximately 9 billion hours? Absolutely. I should edit to add... um, Growing up, I did none of those things. My mom was doing all those things. But then into my adulthood years, like there's definitely been some road trips that I've been on with um, friends and my sister. I specifically remember us making egg salad sandwich. So yeah, definitely can't take credit for it as a child, but growing up, it still happened. So realizing that, I concluded that this sandwich fit right in with... um, some other journey stuff going on. I mean, Mercury isn't really going anywhere, so to speak. Like it's, you know, spinning, but it's moving. And I also felt like I went on a journey with my self-doubt, at least to the degree to the de- to the degree that I started in one place and ended up in a very different place, even if just on a thought level. But you know, thoughts become actions, as the old saying goes, et cetera, et cetera. I should probably just stop randomly quoting things that I don't even know who said them originally, but that's not something I can fix right now. Um, To like randomly drop into a little tarot numerology, there's the major arcana, which starts at zero and ends at 21. And each card has an archetypal energy, like representing different parts or stages of life's journey. So this being episode three, you might consider if you were into tarot numerology and just applying it to random parts of your life, um, that this is my high priestess episode and high priestesses, um, or, or the high priestess card, I should say is associated with like inner knowing and your inner voice and trusting your intuition and like journeying through your own depths. And I've definitely been doing more of that just in general, or at least trying to make space for that to happen. But also specifically for this episode, I felt like a little bit in this, like doing a lot of stuff on a subconscious level first before actually going to my notebook um, or pressing the record button. 
What does all this have to do with egg salad? Uh, not much, to be honest. I'll just take any excuse to talk about tarot, but to like try to connect it, um, you know, the high priestess is about internal stuff and eggs come from inside of chickens. Yeah. Um, maybe that, no, just fuck it. Anyway, let me tell you about the sandwich. It's actually a bit different from the old road trip standby I ate growing up. I still used eggs, obviously. Um, although I, I mean, I could have done whatever that Instagram post was and did the quote, quote unquote, eggy sandwich, which maybe I will in the future. But, um, you know, I have eggs in my refrigerator that haven't been being used. Doug and I used to eat eggs every day and now, um, we're leading a more like plant-based diet. So he hasn't eaten eggs at all and I've eaten eggs here and there and I still kind of feel like I should eat the eggs that are in my fridge because we already bought them and those chickens already plopped them out of their bodies. So what's done is done. So yeah, I was, I definitely had no problem with, you know, using actual eggs. Um, I still use salt and pepper, but in a continued honoring of spicy Scorpio season, I, instead of using regular mayonnaise, I used Primal Kitchen's Chipotle Lime Mayo, which is also really good to use. Like if you're making a tuna salad or like a salmon salad, it's really, um, it's a nice departure from ye old mayo. I also added some diced orange pepper just for some crunch and some, some vegetables. And I plopped that beautiful mess onto some sourdough bread from Trader Joe's. The sourdough bread was perhaps a little stale, but still delicious. It was still delicious. I'm content. I'm ready to, you know, not eat again until it's time to eat again. Um, and I'm also ready to go on a road trip. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't even have a car. <laughs> safe, 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 safe spaces. So my safe space for this week comes in the form of an unsolicited book recommendation. Or maybe this isn't even a book recommendation because who am I to say that you need to read this book? Only you can truly know if you need to read this book. But it's more just a sharing of, hey, this is a book I read and it was helpful to me. Anyway, the book is called Everything is Figure Outable and the author is Marie Forleo. For Forleo? I'm frankly I'm not even sure that I'm pronouncing her last name correctly because to be clear, I had no idea who this woman was up until a few months ago, like a couple months ago, early September to be specific. And that isn't because she's not like really that big of a deal. She's definitely that big of a deal. But, you know, I am not that big of a deal. I'm one person and I can't know about all the people. And so she just wasn't on my radar. Anyway, on September 10th, I know this because I actually just spent almost... 10 minutes scrolling backwards on her Instagram feed to find it, to make sure I wasn't imagining this. Elizabeth Gilbert, Queen Elizabeth, made a post on Instagram about this book and the author and the blurb that she, Liz Gilbert, had written for it, which simply put was, 
quote, this book will change lives, end quote. And while I might not have known Marie for Leo from a hole in the ground, I definitely know Liz Gilbert, so much so that I call her Liz Gilbert like she's a friend of mine. And while I'm not like brainwashed by any means, I usually put great stock in what she says and treat it as like a sort of a gospel. So if she recommends a book, which she often does on her Instagram feed, there is a high likelihood that I'm going to read it or at least put it on my Amazon wish list. And if she says about a book, this book will change lives, I'm 100% absolutely, positively, definitely reading it, no questions asked. Go to my library's website, log into my account, type it in the search bar, place hold, done, presto, thank you very much. So after waiting for it for a bit, because it is a hot tamale of a book, um, I picked it up at the library and I read it over the last week or so, and it's definitely just been a safe space for me. Now, what sets this book apart for me isn't necessarily the wisdom that it imparts, because there is a lot of tried and true stuff in there, like start before you're ready and progress over perfection. There's a lot of stuff in there that I'd heard already, and I don't say that in a bad way. Um, I just say that like it, it wasn't like, the reason it was like blowing my tits off, um, or that was crude, sorry, um, knocking my socks off, you know, like the reason it was exploding my brain wasn't because it was like this brand new shit that she had to say, because frankly, there's only so much wisdom to impart. It really comes down to some like, like a handful of like solid, this is the way, you know, you can live your life and experience the most joy and fulfillment. So there's bound to be some repeats in the world of, you know, self-help and self-improvement books. So what made this book a safe space for me wasn't necessarily the the content, but the delivery of the said wisdom. Uh, the author's voice is fresh and distinct, and she intersperses a lot of personal anecdotes, which is helpful. I I love a good story. So it was like I was reading a nonfiction book, but it was also full of narratives. Um, but also, she fucking makes you do the work, man. She makes you the she makes you do the work to truly access this wisdom. Like there are journaling activities, they're called insights to action. So like you're supposed to move from insight to action. Um, and they mostly were journaling activities um, at the end of each chapter. And in the introduction or like the beginning of the book, she basically was like, if you aren't going to do the journaling activities, don't even bother reading this book. Like just close it and put it back on the shelf. And then there are specific points throughout the book where the next paragraph after a journaling activity is like, she's like, hey, if you haven't actually done this activity, you better not be reading ahead right now. And like, peace out, bro. Go back and do your homework. So that just infuses the book with this palpable energy. And there is so much of the, like, you know, you are enough vibes there, like that I was talking about earlier. But at the same time, like a big push to stop making excuses and really take steps towards your dreams. In fact, like that was the most impactful part of the book for me was this chapter on defining your dreams. The whole defining your dreams is like a very triggering thing for me. I'm so hesitant to put what I want to achieve like on the record because then it's real. And what if I don't achieve that thing? And then I feel like a failure and just spiral out into the void. Um, But that section was equal parts handholding 
and ass kicking. And it really did give me a safe space to consider certain aspirations I have and the fears and the dreams and the joy and the purpose that are all woven together in all of that. So, I mean, I can't say that this book has changed my life, but I guess I could say it is changing my life, present progressive, because I'm still working out its wisdom. And I mean, I guess, isn't that the point to just be in the process to be progressing towards something, whatever it is for you. So yeah, that's my safe space. Again, not necessarily a book recommendation, but if you want to check it out, if you too think that Elizabeth Gilbert's words are gospel, the book is Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo. Sorry if I'm not saying that name right. Like truly. I'm not enough. And that's okay. My pronunciation is not enough. And that's okay. I ought to feel special Here's a shout out. Okay, for my shout out this week, I am going hard in the paint with tarot. And I'm not going to lie, feels pretty freaking good. So I want to give a shout out to a specific tarot card. That card being uh, the King of Wands. And I'm going to get all into why. But first, I want to talk briefly about another tarot card to kind of get us in there. And first, first, I want to talk about my tarot teacher, Lindsay Mack, who um, her teachings kind of form the foundation of my understanding and my work with tarot. So we'll start, I'll start by saying that, um, Lindsay Mack teaches, and maybe she's not the only person who teaches this, but I learned this from her. So I'm crediting her. Um, she teaches that justice, the card justice, which is a major arcana card has to do with accepting reality and not arguing with reality and how accepting reality is a kind of crucial first step that must happen before you can go about changing reality. So the justice card, as the name might have clued you in, is kind of about, you know, this um, search to bring about, sorry, I haven't talked that much yet today, Um, this, this quest to bring about, you know, justice for especially for people who are you know lacking in it in their lives and how you can't do that if in your if you're in denial of what's actually happening in the world and so the first step is always accepting the reality and not you know wanting to deny it just for the sake of your own comfort and well-being but accepting that you know there are terrible things happening in the world every day all around us near and far to all kinds of different people And so through working with the justice card, that card actually showed up a lot for me last month, but that's a whole other story. Um, Through working with the justice card and with Lindsay's teachings, I really have been learning the power of accepting reality and not being in a constant battle with what is, but accepting it. But at the same time, I'm realizing that merely accepting reality is just not enough. Like it's really not enough and it's not okay. Um, that's a callback to small victories. Um, 
I am not enough and it's okay, but accepting reality is not enough and it's not okay. And I don't know about you, but I know I've been guilty many times of just accepting reality, whether it has to do with like the reality of my own life or the reality of something that's going on in the world, but just accepting it and doing nothing else, but kind of letting that acceptance envelop me in a wave of defeat and passiveness and hopelessness, like, well, that's just the way it is. Can't do anything about it. And I don't think that's a great place to be. It certainly doesn't feel good, um, even if it kind of lets me off the hook temporarily. It still doesn't feel good to be there. And I know that's not where I'm meant to be. And so that's where my shout out to the King of Wands actually begins, because I am finding King of Wands to be a wonderful helper for first accepting reality, not rejecting it, accepting it, but then rising up out of it in order to imagine a different reality. And that's what I touched on earlier in my small victory segment about wanting to live in a world where my enoughness isn't even a topic up for discussion. And it is the King of Wands that gives me the bravery, or really just besides bravery, just the ability to imagine that new reality. And before I go on, I kind of already said this, but this is in my notes to say it again. So before I go on, I just want to be very clear that the foundation of my understanding of King of Wands comes directly from uh, Lindsay Mack's teaching in her course, Tarot for the Wild Soul. And I want to give credit where credit is due. And so Lindsay Mack is the one who first introduced me to the idea of King of Wands being a trailblazer. Um, And that's her specific languaging I feel like other people have probably used it too, but that's, she's where I got it from. Um, Being a channeler, the King of Wands being someone who can look at reality and accept reality, but then also look beyond it and envision something that has never been seen before and make plans for something that has never been done before. So my shout out this week is based on those teachings and I'm just adding to them with, you know, my own work with the card, my own personal insights garnered from the time that I spent with this card. Actually, several different versions of this card have helped me understand it from a couple different decks. So to back up a bit, when I was first getting started with tarot almost two years ago, well, it'll be two years in February 2020. So before I learned anything from any formal teachers, my first kind of knowledge that I gathered together about King of Wands was that he was like this impatient, indignant, ill-tempered, impetuous, stubborn sort of leader, someone who tended to get swept up in his strong emotions and was quite needy, but also like a my way or the highway kind of man, just like a very fiery person who lacked control. And I was like, ew, no, thank you. Um, But then my resource pool about tarot kind of deepened and widened. And at the same, um, or sorry, at some point earlier this year, I can't remember the month. And if I went back through my journals, I could figure it out. But really, it doesn't matter. It's just sometime earlier this year, I actually pulled King of Wands to be my card of the month. And so that meant for the, at that time, that meant that I had a picture of it as my phone background for that whole month, just kind of trying to spend more time with it and thinking about it throughout the day and seeing what I noticed. Um, 
And the deck that I was using for that foam background was the Next World Tarot. And in this deck, the King of Wands is very clearly not like this emotional train wreck that loses it every time things don't go his way. But instead, you can see that he's a channeler and he is actively doing the work to imagine a new reality, even while he's very much in the midst of the current reality. Um, he sits cross-legged in a bed of flowers, his wand held up in the air um, in his right hand. So like, you know, that representing that he's channeling and his eyes gaze off at something and you can just tell, or at least I can tell, this is my interpretation, that what he's looking at doesn't actually exist yet, but that he is like willing it into being with his mind and body and soul. And if that isn't like a big mood, I don't know what else is. The Another thing I want to say about the next world tarot's King of Wands has to do with how his left hand appears. And I don't know if it was intentionally drawn like this or just a magical coincidence, but like the left hand looks unnatural. But I say that and I mean it in the best way possible, not like in a bad critique of the drawing, like, ooh, it looks unnatural, but like it looks unnatural in a charming wonderful way like it just makes him look that much more otherworldly like he has these moldable bones and that the moldable bones are in turn molding this new reality and it's just so weird and delicious like his hand is summoning spirits from another realm but also performing a circus trick so yeah um i love it moving on the other king of wands that i got to know pretty well and that has fed into my understanding of the card is from the Santa Muerta deck. And I actually haven't been actively using this deck for a while because I've kind of been grappling with the question of cultural appropriation since uh, Santa Muerta and all Day of the Dead is not at all like my own heritage isn't connected to that. But be that as it may, uh, it's still a part of my tarot history. Um, this deck was one of the first few that I purchased, so it's been formidable in my own practices. And again, this particular King of Wands is fully enmeshed with his current reality. He's surrounded by roses. He's carrying a pack over his shoulder and there are flowers like winding in and out of the pack, like woven in. So there's no question he's accepting reality. And yet, his right hand is raised up in the air and his finger points uh, perhaps to a place that he's never been before. Perhaps it's a place that doesn't even e exist quite yet, but he is in the midst of changing that. <clears throat> I suppose one word, stop for some water. I suppose one word, if we wanted to channel this whole experience like in a more mainstream way, one word we could use is hope. You know, it is with hope that new realities are born. And yet I still find myself needing something a little more spicy, a little more substantial than hope. And perhaps that's just because it's kind of an overused word. Um, but anyway, that's why I'm so grateful for the energy of the King of Wands, because this is where we do see a little of that my way or the highway willpower, because it is the King of Wands who says, yes, I know we do it this way, and I even understand why we do it this way. But also, 
there's another way we could be doing it. I'm imagining it right now and this new way is more effective or less painful or just makes more sense and you just couldn't see the possibility of it before because you were so committed to accepting reality that you missed out on the possibility of a new reality. We all know that person who says, well, we just do it that way because that's the way we've always done it. You know, and there's no judgment in that. There's just a slight lack of scope, like the lens on a camera that isn't set wide enough to actually capture the full picture. And so that's precisely the kind of situation that King of Wands can be so helpful with. Like actually, it's very pragmatic, actually, like creating I use the word actually way too much. Um, Creating change with people or places that might be resistant to the change merely because they just aren't able to imagine it. There's nothing wrong with them. They just maybe need a quick handhold from the King of Wands who can say to them, it doesn't have to be this way. We can create a new procedure. We can make a new map. We can forge a new path. We can ask different questions and do different things. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it can't. Just because it isn't done that way doesn't mean it can't be done that way. And I, for one, like going through this again, because I kind of wrote up the notes for this last night at work, and now I'm like putting it into the podcast form, and it's really hitting me all over again that I need that energy so much in my own life. I can... I can suffer so much from a lack of vision. And again, it's it's no judgment. It's just part of being human. It's part of the whole experience. Um but I could be I could be missing out on so much just because I don't see the possibilities of what something could be. This is also, you know, I'm talking about this personally in my, in my own life, but also this kind of energy is what can bring about systemic change, you know, like actual changes in the public sphere, the school systems, the government, like this kind of questioning and bringing into, um, light, like, okay, yeah, I get it. This is the way we do things, but have we ever thought about doing it? another way. And the King of Wands brings those questions. Um, The King of Wands questions and doubts, like with a very hot, fiery energy, and it might not always be comfortable. It's a lot more comfortable to just stay where you are. And even if you're miserable, it's it's a misery that you know. Um, But his intentions are good. His intentions are ultimately productive. He's the helper that we can call on to radically change systems, to make new roads, like literally or metaphorically, to create different checklists and routines. And yeah, there's a bit of destruction in that, but it's so much more just about the vision. Like we don't even have to destroy anything. Let's just build something new on top of what you see exists and Let me show you what else can exist. It's just so much more about the vision, the vision of what can be built and made and developed. So shout out to you, my good sir, and may we all be able to channel the channeler whenever we might have need of that. We all need to like 
anytime we need to like open our eyes just a little bit more and and actually use doubt to create something better. Um, and that's kind of, uh, now I'm going off on a tangent, but like I've always used doubt to check myself and sometimes it's at my own peril and sometimes it can create a lot more suffering than is necessary. And it's like all suffering inside of my own head and it's just alienating. But King of Wands shows me how I can use doubt as a way to bring about like change and, and better things. So King of Wands, the trailblazer, the channeler, the doubter, the creator. Cheers. Okay, so this is the end of episode three. I'd like to thank you, the listener, for listening. Um, I'd like to thank my brother, Ethan, for the transitional tunes. And you can check out his music on Bandcamp. Uh, I've been mispronouncing his publishing name. It's Verdondi. He kindly pointed that out to me. Anyway, it's spelled differently than how it sounds but that's a whole other issue so yeah check out his music um also if you want to email the pod aka me um it's selfdoubtsandwich at gmail.com i also started an instagram for the podcast i was having doubts about whether to start a separate instagram or not and so I just decided to. It is self-doubt sandwich or at self-doubt sandwich on Instagram. And so that'll just be more pod related stuff. I am trying to get a blog going that is kind of this podcast stuff, but maybe something else a little bit more too. And I'm just like seriously so on brand and just having doubts about what I want it to be. And so I'm just putting it out there as a selfish way of accountability and just putting it out there now so that other people besides me know that I'm trying to get my blog started. Um, Also, Doug, my fiance, and I started our own podcast about the TV show Parenthood, which was um, a show like from 2010 to 2015, I think. Anyway, we're obsessed with it. And so we've been talking about making a podcast about it for a while and we finally did it. The trailer is out now. Um, Not everywhere, but it's a few places. It's on Anchor and it's also on Spotify right now. So if you want to hear me talk more, but with another human, then uh, you can check that out. Oh, it's called Becoming Braverman and... Yeah, that's that's it. Um, I hope that your doubts lead to productive new realities and not just internal shame spirals. Bye. I don't even want to fucking think about it. I don't even want to fucking think about it. Maybe you're right, but baby, you're wrong. You hit the
You're not a po-ho, you're just a poet He's like a logo, fucking stupid